You are listening to the Manos Accelerator podcast in partnership with Google Launchpad. We interview rockstar entrepreneurs who share their exact formulas for success in customer acquisition, growth hacking, fundraising, or scaling a company. And I'm your host, Juan Felipe Campos. Manos Nation, there is no better way for you to support the production of this podcast than by giving us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. Let's help each other out. I will send you a list of 100 grants to fund your startup if you review the podcast on iTunes and then tag us on a social media post. Okay, it's very easy. So step one, support us by rating this podcast five stars on iTunes. Step two, tag Manos Accelerator on a social media post. And step three, I will send you a list of 100 grants for your startup. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Manos Accelerator podcast. We have a very special guest today. I am joined by Mr. Matt Cole from Investable. Matt, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Matt, can you tell us a little bit at a high level about your background, what it is that you're working on, and kind of your unique strengths of what you can demystify for the audience today? So my background is I originally started as a sports agent, uh, built a company up and sold that agency to Charm Communication Group back in 2014. Then I started a company in London, which is a three-sided marketplace, raised some angel funding in London for that, then raised venture capital money in the US, moved to Silicon Valley, spent two years in Silicon Valley, raised more money, built that up, pushed the company sideways, and then I've spent the last three and a half years working for large venture-backed organizations in the US, the UK, Now I'm back in Australia running the Investable Game, which is an early stage program for companies looking to raise their first institutional capital. I love that. And we keep hearing this trend in your your own bio of raising funds and raising funds, raising capital. So you certainly know something about raising capital that most, most early stage founders don't know. So can you tell us a bit about how you think and some of the lessons at a high level that you understand about raising capital that maybe most early stage founders don't know yet? So I think that the biggest thing is the founders, and I know that sounds a little bit cliched, but it it really is, because what you're looking at is either when you're raising capital or looking to raise capital is, the investors want to look at you and understand why your superpowers are so uniquely positioned to pull off this this ambitious journey you're about to go on. Ultimately, they know that the task or the journey you're setting out to when the company is six, 12, nine months old, is going to pivot. So they want to know that your resilience or capabilities, think on your feet, and how you translate that into ultimately what they're looking to de-risk their investment. They're looking to get comfortable with the risk profile that you present to them as an early stage investment. That's really good. And something that founders don't realize a lot of times is that a, an investor may be, to your point, an investor may be really excited about the market opportunity. They may be really excited about the direction that this is all going. They may even believe in the solution itself. But if they invest in startup A, that means that they won't be able to invest in startup C that is solving the exact same problem for the exact same industry. So it's not just a matter of, do I believe in the product? Do I believe in the, in the industry? Do I believe in the market? But also, do I believe that you are the most qualified founder that I have access to that is able to solve this problem? Because if not, then I need to look for someone else that is solving the exact same problem that I believe will have better execution, right? Absolutely. So the way that we kind of think about it investable, and that's kind of transferred all the way through, you know, my own capital raising journey, whether I've been successful or not as successful, is we're looking to how we de-risk the angel in the early stage investment and how we get comfortable with the risk. Ultimately, any investment or any time you're raising capital at this early stage, the investor is, is likely to have a fairly risk, you know, be fairly risk tolerance. So what you're looking for is then to, how do I de-risk it further and create a higher degree of confidence around this proposition? So the higher degree of, pro, you know, 
I think the, the benchmark capital guys have a saying of what can go right instead of what can go wrong. So what they're looking for is how do we get comfortable with the risk and how do we see this opportunity playing out if A, B and C go right for this company? So you know, early stage companies, they kind of over-index in their pitch about, oh, this is our TAM, you know, this is our addressable market and this is how big it is and you know, we're taking on a multi-billion, multi-trillion dollar industry and that's great. But often the biggest wins are coming where the market doesn't exist yet and that's why you gotta frame up, what if everything goes right? What if you know, we change the way of, you know, this opportunity sees itself? Technology, as we all know, is this great enabler. So if we're using a technology to create a new market or enable a new market, then that's a totally new, ma- new market that you're allowing an investor to get comfortable with the risk associated with what could go right. You've de-risked it from a founder perspective and you create excitement around this narrative of what could go right and how really amazing this opportunity is. And ultimately, you know, being a great storyteller is probably a founder's best superpower. You know, if you can bring someone along in your journey and, and create excitement where you know, this founder just ingr- you know, loves your vision, loves your story, loves your passion for it, then you can bring them along, the story, you know, bring them along that journey and, and anything is possible and you really get a lot of buy-in. Matt, I find that in late-stage investments, the investors are coming in because they're investing in the market opportunity in kind of earlier stage investments, they are investing in the product itself that's already life, that's solving a problem, and they truly believe that it's the right solution for what later on will be investing in the market. But in the early, early stages, all they have to go off of is investing in the founder themselves. right? So it's investing in the founder early stage, investing in the product mid-stage, and then later on investing in the market opportunity. And what you're saying is far-sighted, or, or investors that are able to see far into the future, they're looking at all three, but in the early stages, all they can do is look at the founder, and they're looking for things that will de-risk their investment. Before we continue with the episode, you should know about this. We recently partnered with Brex, the smart credit card for founders to finance and boost their startups. Everything about Brex is made for startup and e-commerce founders just like you. The card scales with you and gives you up to 20 times higher credit limits than any competing card. And for listeners of this podcast, benefit from our partnership and get $5,000 in AWS credits plus absolutely no card fees for life by activating your account through our partnership link. It's brex.com slash manos. Brex, B-R-E-X dot com slash manos, M-A-O-S, to get all of your fees waived for life and $5,000 in AWS credits. Now on to the episode. To your point, what uh, other than being a great storyteller, other than um, expressing what what would happen if everything goes right? What are some? Let's really define what we mean by de-risking and what risk means in the eyes of an investor. Because founders are saying this is low risk. Look at my product, or this is a super low risk. Look at my connections. What does an investor ultimately consider is high risk versus low risk, and how do we minimize that? Yeah, I think from a founder's like I'll jump on the the first part of that. What can a founder bring to it? The biggest thing I can say to a founder is bring some self awareness to the process. So and what I mean by that is understand where the how the investor is going to view your product and view you. So if you can create a situation where you start to view yourself through the lens of the investor, then you can start to sort of tailor your presentations, tailor your narrative, and tailor your story that's going to suit that that investor. Now, I. I a caveat to that is never ever create a pitch deck for the investor just to raise capital because what you're doing then is you're creating this misalignment of goals and misalignment of values. You have to stay true to yourself, your product, your vision, you know, your morals, whatever's driving you. So never ever create something just to get funding because ultimately that's going to end in tears because the investor's going to think they're investing in some product or some mission that's just not aligned with where you're at now. 
the pivot's fine. You know, things go wrong, that's fine, but you have to be able to create that dialogue of, of sort of why things are changing, why things are moving. From an investor's standpoint, for me, again, like, what, a, what you know, Investable is, as a fund, we create these, all these different programs to how we sort of de-risk angel investing. And one of them um, that I mentioned earlier is about the Investable Games. And what we're looking for is how the founder unpacks a lot of problems. So when the, when the founder, if, like, if you can tell me a story when you've had a problem, this is how you've solved it, why did you solve it in this fashion and you unpacked it and you can see as from an investor's lens it's this really systematic highly pragmatic approach to problem solving even if you didn't get the outcome you were looking for it gives gives an investor a huge amount of confidence about the way you problem solve how you approach difficult situations so for them it's like i'm giving you this allocation of high risk capital but if i can see you're a really strong founder you're really pragmatic about the way you solve problems the real self-awareness you've brought to the dialogue, that again, it creates this level of confidence or a, a de-risking scenario in the mind of the investor. Okay, so and this is something that founders should want for themselves as well, right? It's not about just convincing the, the investor that you have the skill set. It's about you being very honest about, this is what I have, this is what I don't have. And the investor wants to know, are you aware of the shortcomings and are you able to surround yourself with the right co-founders, with the right advisors? Are you able to listen to the right investors? Are you being stubborn on behalf of the customers or on behalf of your ego? All these things about where are you and are you let's say, I hate to use the word, but are you woke enough to like look at your situation and de-risk on behalf of the investor because ultimately they are stewards of someone else's money. So if they can trust you that you are going to be a good steward, you, you're gonna, they're going to pass on the baton of stewardship to you of the money, then you're going to be able to do it successfully. It makes perfect sense. But like you're saying, and, and this is true of any sales process, it's your product for their reasons. So it's not about changing the, the product. It's not about changing the company based on what it is that you think they want to invest in. It's about... Get, tailoring the story and highlighting different things based on what you know is on the heart of the investor based on their track record and their thesis and all of those things, right? All of that stuff. We, we, um, we use two, two tools, in, well, we use one tool internally, and I'll give you one example. When I was, was raising capital, I was unaware of sort of the, the sort of tools and, and things about. Now, when we're evaluating a founder, we, we look at a platform called Fingerprint for Success, so FRS is a not, a not a psychometric, it's basically a strengths, weaknesses, motivation tool that we use. And from an investor standpoint, we use it to understand how the company's two founders or three founders fit together, how they complement each other, where their motivations, their skill sets complement each other. We also look at to think about how they're scaling their team. So you know, what is the tolerance level they bring to it? What are their motivations in certain processes, sales, introvert, extrovert? All of these kind of factors. Now, there's no right or wrong answer. But what we use it for is to understand how they think about the creation of teams and how resilient and, and uh, how self-aware the founder is. So we use that as a really deliberate tool to understand that. In terms of the transparency, I just want to use a quick example. One of our portfolio companies is an amazing founder at reporting. Now, that may sound like, why is that so important? Well, what the founder does is they report back on their monthly goals to us in highly visual tables, and they are insanely transparent. This worked, this didn't work. We lost this much money here, but we learned this. So from this investor standpoint now, we know the cadence of reporting is brilliant. We always feel like we're aware of what the company's doing. When things go wrong, we can ask very specific questions. When the founder has a problem, they are able to ask very specific questions. And you know the investment group, has a real sort of understanding where the company's at. Now, for me, when I was raising you know, funds the first time I had a business, I was so terrified of saying I'd done something wrong. 
And I was so terrified of being vulnerable that, you know, I had this perception where I had to be bulletproof and I had to have everything right. And all of my metrics had to be up and to the right. And this hockey, you know, this, this U curve, this hockey stick sort of curve. And it's just not right. You know, any sort of mature, uh, composed investor is going to know that when they're giving you this capital, things are going to go right and wrong. So the transparency of the founder and the vulnerability of the founder, for me, that is the one thing I wish I knew you know, five or 10 years ago because it would have had a huge impact on the way I raised capital and the way that I built the relationships with my investors. I kept them at arm's length when I should have brought them in closer. So that's sort of one little piece of advice that I can't stress enough. You know, The investors, once they've given you the capital, you're on the same team, you're on the same journey, you have this mutual alignment of we all want this to succeed. So bringing transparency and vulnerability to that relationship will serve you enormously well. Oof, love that. Plus, I just want to add that from an investor's point of view, if you're sending a lot of reports, it's not like an, an investor can look at that and say, great, I love the transparency. I love that you're reporting to us. But in all honesty, I love even more the fact that you're even thinking about these things and you have a sense of self-accountability and that you're not basing success and failure based on a feeling, but rather on a metric that you are held accountable to reporting and you're going through the exercise that proves to me as an investor that you do have one KPI that you're tracking as opposed to switching the KPI around based on whatever sounds best that week. Maybe one, one week you track email open rates, on the other one you're tracking new signups. It's like by having the accountability of someone else, it shows that you're transparent, not just to others, but also to yourself and you're accountable to that and that you're able to reach out to people when you need help and say, hey, my one KPI, our collective goal is not getting reached. This is why I think um, we're not. And then you know, you're able to ask for help. Or not. And, and the investor's help will be so much better. So if you do reach out and when you reach out and ask for help, the investor has a real sort of clear and, and complete picture of where the business is at. If you ask for help when you've got six weeks left of money in the bank, your biggest customers just terminated their agreement. But the, the investor has to then go and ask for the history, has to ask for the backstory. And you're just wasting time. Whereas if you have this vulnerability, this transparency, this openness, you can ask for a much more immediate and much more targeted outcome from your investor. And as I said, ultimately, as soon as that money is in your bank account, they're on your cap table, you are aligned in the outcomes of the business. Everyone is mutually aligned for success. Love that. Perfect. Okay, Matt, so let's rapid fire some common reasons. And I'm sure you hear these all the time where people say, I keep getting turned down for investment for the same reasons, right? They, they say my product isn't uh, far enough along. They say I don't have enough users. They say they'd like to see more traction. And I'm drowning in a puddle here because everyone keeps turning me down for the same reasons and it's a chicken and the egg problem. I can't have more traction and I can't have more team and I can't have a more developed product if I don't get the money, but I don't get the money because I'm not far enough along yet. You probably hear these all the time. What are some high impact rapid fire strategies that you can tell us about how to go from I'm stuck in this chicken and egg problem all the way to actually being investable and able to raise pre-seed and angel capital? Yeah, so the biggest thing I would say is is the self-awareness part and how that plays out is am I have I built a technology um, solution that's searching for a problem or have I found a problem that I've built a solution for? So be very clear of why you've built something and for what and then you can frame up how big the problem is and how big the opportunity is. So create that narrative of really sort of deliberate um, outcomes and a sort of deliberate process for an investor. Then understand, like, do a critical analysis. Is this company a venture-backed company? I might be creating a business that's going to make me two or three million dollars a year, and that is awesome. I will have a phenomenal lifestyle, and I might exit for five million dollars, ten million dollars. It might be amazing, and my kids are going to be a very happy life. But that is not a venture-backed business. So, some critical analysis 
do some under sort of research or get a basic understanding of what fund economics are looking for because that will help you shape some of your stories around why am I raising capital from a fund that has 35 to 50 million dollars under management and then I'm going to raise money from a you know a fund that has 120 to 200 million dollars under management they need to be check sizes of a certain size they're looking for returns of a certain size and when you go and talk to an investor, understand what their fund economics look like and what their motivations are or what their returns need to be once they invest in your company. And then you can also, there's so much material out there around what the, the spacings are for what an angel check is, what a C check is, all of that, and those brackets. Don't look at the exceptions to rule. There's always some fairly strong medians in that space. Um, the other thing I, w- I would just sort of say is, you know, we mentioned before we, we jumped on air about the different markets. So, you know, this is a global podcast. So understand what markets you're in when you're raising capital because valuations are different, check sizes are different. Um, If you're raising money here in Australia, you know, our comps are the Atlassians and the Canvas and people like that who have gone on to create big success. So understand who the investors were in those spaces, understand why they put money in those spaces, um, to understand, you know, where they're comfortable investing because the last thing you want to do is go and pitch a cyber platform or an AI platform to someone who invests in marketplaces. It's just gonna end your tears for everyone. So do your research, be self-aware, and then translate that you've got a, you know, you've built technology that's solving a real, tangible, real-world problem. Okay, Manos Nation, do not forget my offer to help each other out. I'll send you a list of 100 grants to fund your startup. All you have to do is leave a five-star rating on iTunes and then tag Manos Accelerator on a social media post. Again, leave a five-star review on iTunes and then tag Manos Accelerator on the app to receive a list of 100 grants to help you fund your startup. See you on the next one. Wow, so much golden nuggets of information here, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this with us. As you continue to grow and take your career forward, where is the best place for people to stay in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing, and please definitely tell us a bit more about Investable so that we can track your journey on that website as well. Perfect. So uh, get me on Twitter is the easiest one. It's at Matthew Cole. Cole is C-O-L-E and Matthew has one T in it. Uh, Investable, we're an early stage uh, investment group. We invest where we try and be first money in. Uh, That's worked really well for us. We were the first money in brands like Canva, Ipsy, Brandless. Uh, We have 70 portfolio companies now spread right across the world. The big program we are running right now is the Investable Games. So that is a three-day, don't think of it as an accelerator, don't think of it as a boot camp, don't think of it as a pitch day. It's three days to work on your business where we're looking for companies to invest in and we give all the founders that come along in those 12 companies the opportunity to do due diligence back on us. It's two days, uh, sorry, three days of two-way due diligence. Um, so check out investable.com. Um, as a Matthew Cole, you can get me on LinkedIn as well. We're about to undertake 17 events right across Southeast Asia over the next 12 months. Uh, looking for the best and brightest founders right across Southeast Asia. We're hugely bullish on the area because obviously um, massive population, huge economic and sort of population shift. So we're super excited about it. So if you've got any questions, find me on Twitter, find me on LinkedIn, happy to help. There is monster opportunity and momentum behind this. Matt Cole from Investable.com, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this with us. Perfect, love what you're doing and uh, thanks for having me on.